Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers Who Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Helaman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at Life-Changing Services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group held every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first. Then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Welcome, welcome. Well, I feel, I feel like saying what my mom always says. Welcome, welcome. Every Sunday she sends a text to our family group text that says, Welcome, welcome, Sabbath morning. <laughs> and she says the whole, ver- whole first verse of that every Sunday. And I just think that's fun to think about because Kathy knows my mom, right, Kathy? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm here with Kathy. And some of you are going to totally recognize Kathy because you've heard her voice in some of our recordings. I have so much love and respect for Kathy and I've appreciated the fact that she came when she was in a place of, boy, I need some mothers who know. I I need some mothers who know, but also how sweet it has been to watch her. This is going to make me emotional to watch her stick around and be part of the solution, part of the healing, part of the sharing. It's just meant so much to me that she's uh, become a voice of influence and love that a lot of women really hang on to. And I'm just so grateful that she's done that with us. And so, yeah, I'm going to stop talking and say, oh, hello, Kathy. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Kathy's from Florida, right? And for those of you, for those of you who aren't remembering or recognizing Kathy's voice, tell us a little bit about your family, Kathy, and a little bit about just how you bumped into life-changing services and your experience here at Mothers Who Know and 
then we'll get to our topic. We have a specific topic we're going to get to today, but we'll let you introduce yourself. All right. My name is Kathy and I live in Florida. And the way that I came to know about Mothers Who Know is that I had a son who was participating in the Sons of Helaman program quite a few years ago now. He did graduate from Sons of Helaman. And, but I haven't graduated from Mothers Who Know, I guess, because I love going. I, I, I miss the Mothers Who Know class, but I do love the, the Warrior Mothers and also the Stay by the Tree series and the Team Mom Power classes. And I continue to go to those. And so I really went thinking I was going to help my boy. And I do believe it influenced his life, but I think it really has been more of a help for me to keep going. And even though he doesn't attend anymore, I always need it. The battle's still raging over here. So I have five kids. I have three girls and two boys. And my oldest daughter is married. And so I have one grandbaby who I adore and love. And she's almost a year old, which is shocking. But That is shocking. Yeah, it's so fast. She's wow. so cute. So, and I'm married. I have a husband who also is in the picture, but usually when I go to mothers who know my battles are raging with my children. And so that is what, and myself, my own personal, I've noticed that it shifts from me trying to work things out, helping my kids, but then it has shifted to where I'm recognizing it's really my own battle that I'm trying to fight. And, you know, in mothers who know, we talk about how others aren't our enemies, that Satan's the only enemy. And so really I go to class every time because I need to know what to do in my own battlefield because I feel like I'm losing my battle rather than my kids. That's so awesome. It is so difficult when we, yeah, when you start realizing, can I just say it was kind of disturbing to me when I realized that, okay, wait a minute. You mean that child, what that child's doing and what that child's doing and how I'm feeling about what that child's doing isn't the problem? (laughs) That's what I thought. You mean I have to figure out my own battle and what my problems are and that will shift all of those things? It was just didn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting how that happened. And it, it took me a long time to get to that. And sometimes I, I still do think, you know, what's wrong with that person over there? Why are they making those choices? Sure. But I know ultimately the way that I'm handling the situation is really whether or not I can control my own thoughts and what I'm doing, my actions after I think those thoughts. Yeah. So. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. It's been so wonderful, Kathy. It's been such a such a sweet gift in my life. Like I just love all the women that I meet, but I count it a very special gift. And when someone stays and becomes part of the whole culture of, we're trying to create this collaborating, connecting, caring, like kind of vulnerable and authentic place where it's okay for women to ask questions. It's okay for women to not know the answer, even though they have all the truth in the gospel. It's okay to try to figure it out together and 
Anyway, you've been such a gift in my life. I'm so grateful for that. So good. So this is why we're here today. I asked Kathy to please come and share something she's already shared with me. And there's something, we have a training. It's a free class called Mom Power. And after women take that Mom Power class, I try to encourage them all to go jump into Team Mom Power because it's a smaller group of women who are applying the Mom Power principles in a way that is really, let's share, let's talk about this, let's keep this on our radar and be able to do it in this smaller group. And Kathy shared two things, probably in less than four weeks. The first one I thought, okay, totally, I wrote it down. And I sent a note to the gal who schedules interviews. And I said, will you please get a hold of Kathy and tell her I would like, see if she'll do an interview with me for our Mothers You Know podcast channel. And, and then it wasn't a few weeks later that you shared something else. And I was like, again, can you please get a hold of Kathy? <laughs> and we had another one uh, scheduled, but it did work out. And so here we are. But yeah, because she's in that, smaller group, I have the opportunity to have more of a personal connection with Kathy and the other women there. So we really kind of can see each other where we're at. And so Kathy was telling us about a Relief Society lesson she gave. And then she told us a couple of weeks later about a separate meeting talk she had to give. And one of Kathy's gifts is application and the spirit leading her as she applies things and then she's a great teacher and so I just thought that is so cool I would like you to come tell everybody your experience and some things that came to your mind so I'm not even going to tell you what she's going to tell you because she's going to tell you but yeah let's start with your Relief Society lesson that you gave and why what was that all about and just help us to understand what you were trying to, to portray there. Okay. All right. So can I tell one thing just before that? Of course. Um, because I, I feel, huh, I feel like that I always have to be really careful that what I share and the things that I use as teaching moments that, oh my goodness, I feel like Heavenly Father has really blessed me with the ability to recognize things and how to apply gospel principles in my life. And so sometimes when I take opportunities like teaching the Relief Society or, you know, the other thing was speaking in church, I do those things because I feel like, you know, if you get asked to do it, you do it. But I'm like everyone who it could be like the worst time of my life where they ask you to do it because you feel very, very weak. And you don't think, oh, I could, I'm really actually I know something about this, right? So in Relief Society, they were going to have a care for me activity. And what they were going to do is they were going to cover three specific areas. They're going to cover physical, caring for yourself physically, caring for yourself emotionally, and then caring for yourself spiritually. And so we had discussed who would do each category. And the two sisters they picked for emotional and physical, I thought, of course, you know, they're amazing. I know those sisters and they're going to do a great job. And then they asked me to do spiritually, the spiritual side. And I thought, oh my gosh, I don't feel very spiritual right now. Things are kind of messy for me. And so it would have been really tempting to just say, no, I'm not going to do it. 
but because I have that mentality that, you know, when you're asked to serve, you should serve. And so I volunteered to do it for them. And it ended up being a great experience. So I just wanted to preface though, that this morning I had this um, experience where I got on the treadmill and I mean, I've always been like, I've been trying so hard to like lose weight and be faithful about getting on the treadmill and doing this and that, you know, and keeping track of it, getting myself in a better physical state. And I'm on the treadmill and I'm, I look at the thing and it kept saying it was only 15 minutes and six seconds. And it was like that for all, <laughs> this thing isn't working. Like it's not showing progress, right? You're like, I'm like this is so stupid. Yeah. And so my mind starts going through what is happening. First, I think this, this expensive treadmill is broken. I don't want to buy a new treadmill, whatever. And so I'm looking at it. Why is this doing this? And so I reach up and I start pushing buttons and I'm not really tech savvy, but I'm like pushing <laughs> buttons to see if it will change the time. And then in my mind, I'm, my mind says, if it's not showing progress, just get off. It's not worth it because that 45 or 50 minutes you were going to do, it's not going to show on there. So who cares? You're, you're going to stay at 15 minutes and six seconds. So just get off. (laughs) So this thought pattern happened. So I literally was going to get off because I thought this is dumb. I can't remember when I got on. So I reach up and I touch this one button and it comes up with this screen and says that something's not working properly. Do you want to, you know, go out of it? So I click yes. And then it pops up and it tells me I've been on for like 40 minutes. So it finally starts calculating. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and I finished my workout. And so I was thinking about doing this podcast today with you. And I thought, you know what? The reason why I keep going to Mothers Who Know and Team Mom Power is because I still am like progressing and I'm still at that 15 minute, six seconds. And, and even though I know all of the things that I've learned and I've tried to apply them, I am not picture perfect at it. And so as I, you know, teach these lessons in Relief Society or teach principles in a talk in church, it isn't because I'm perfect at it. It's because it's something I know and I know it works. But sometimes Satan does get the better of me and I have to start again and not give up because I see 15.06. <laughs> so, so anyway, I just want to preface that that just came up to me today. And I thought I am like the worst at like, if I don't see progress, then I'm not doing it. Right. Yeah. And so thankfully it didn't pop up with the 40 <laughs> minutes. Otherwise I probably would have got off that thing, but anyhow, so in the really society lesson that I did, we were talking about, they wanted me to talk about how sisters can be more spiritually prepared. And so as I was preparing that, I thought, you know, I think that a lot of people, and even in the church, don't really see themselves as on a battlefield with Satan, that Satan is actually trying to stop them from being successful. And So I was thinking about that, and I thought that all the teachings that I learned in Mothers Who Know and in Team Mom Power, they lead us to prepare better, to get on the battlefield so that we are ready, because we know Satan is ready. And then in my my talk that I gave in in church not too long ago, I brought up the, the song that you sing in primary, that we say, I lived in heaven a long time ago, it is true. Live there and love there with people I know. So did you. Then Heavenly Father presented a wonderful plan or a beautiful plan, all about earth and eternal salvation for man. And I expressed 
the idea and the reality and truth that every single person that's on the earth today, us, our family members, our children, our next door neighbor, the guy we fight at at the baseball field, everyone was there in the pre pre-existent world. And every single person was on the side of Christ. So none of us were enemies there. We were all on this, the right side. The only enemy is Satan. And so we have to make sure that we are doing all we can to be prepared for Satan, not for our family member that maybe doesn't make the choice we want them to. It's really to protect ourselves against the power that Satan has against us. So one of the one of the quotes that I used, and I'm going to share this quote if that's okay, that I used in my Relief Society presentation is from Sherry Dew. It's in a talk that she gave at BYU in 2000, and it's called Living on the Lord's Side. And she says, as with Helaman's young army, you are the cavalry, here to carry on the work of the Lord at an intense and vital stage of the battle, a battle that began with the war in heaven and that rages to this very day. We will not win the battle in which we are engaged if we do not fight as with the strength of God. For the voices of Satan are noisy, relentless, and celebrated. The gap between the way men and women of God and the way men and women of the world live will only grow wider. But that's okay as long as we as the Lord's covenant people feel confident about who we are. So if we know who we are, that we are daughters of God, and that we have a purpose on this world to help to bring his children back to him, then we can fight better if we know that. And, and I know in class, there's been multiple times you brought up the tug of war and how we are in a tug of war with Satan. And when I presented this in, in the Relief Society lesson, I was talking about us being in the tug of war for eternal life, that Satan wants so much to grab the rope and just yank us down to his side. And a lot of times we want to grab a hold of the rope and pull with all our might. And I actually was talking to the sisters and I said, okay, so there was a sister sitting there and she's pretty physically competent. Like she's not major muscles, but she's strong. And I always thought I was strong, but I'm getting weaker by the day. <laughs> so I said, now imagine if me and the sister here, we got in a tug of war and we're going to have this competition. Who's going to win? I said, I know you think that she's going to win because she's stronger. And you know what? She probably will win because she has, you know, she lifts weights often. And so she may win. But what you also know is that she's competitive and I'm competitive. So it's not going to be an easy win, but we're both going to pull and tug. And I said, so typically you don't want the other person to, person to win. You're going to dig in with your heels, put your heels in as as hard as you can in the ground so that you will not lose. But I said, when we're in the tug of war with Satan, we actually don't want to hold onto the rope. Our goal is to let go of it. So he'll go flying. That's the goal. We're not to hold on to it, to try to get him on our side. That isn't the goal. Our goal is to stay on the right side. So we have to let go of that rope. And when we think about the story in the scriptures of Lehi and his family and, you know, how Lehi has the dream of the tree of life in Team Mom Power and all those classes, we talk about staying by the tree. Mm -hmm. And we know that Lehi, in this vision, he stayed by the tree. He was 
trying to beckon his family to him and get them to come. And one of the things that will help us the very most in our lives to make sure that we're staying by the tree is that we practice and focus on having vertical thinking, that we're going to think vertically, that our sights are looking up to God and Jesus Christ, that it's not paying attention to everyone around us. And if you think about the story of Lehi and his family, you have Lehi at the tree and he's beckoning to his wife and his kids and his wife and Nephi come to the tree. They listen to him, but Laman and Lemuel, they're more horizontal thinkers. They're paying attention to the people in this great and spacious building about whether or not it's really the right thing to do to go to the tree. And so we have to make sure that we're setting our sights on Christ. We're staying by the tree and not worrying about whether or not people are judging us and saying that we're doing the wrong thing. And I think that for me personally, the only way that I can make sure that I am a vertical thinker rather than horizontal is I have to make very intentional effort to connect with God every day. And I'm not saying I do it every day because I have days off just like most people where I struggle to do that. But in order for me to really stay by the tree and think vertically, I have to connect with Heavenly Father and with Jesus Christ. So there's a few things that um, I shared with the Relief Society sisters that I try to do on a daily basis or often in order to, to stay vertical with the Savior. And I specifically talked about how I make it an important thing that I have my prayers every day in the morning and the evening. I do try to, it's not going to be a short prayer typically. I am talking to Heavenly Father about lots of things going on in my life. And like I said earlier, I have five kids, so there are lots of things going on. Right. So I, I do take the time to talk to him about those things. They're not prayers where they're like all identical. So I do that. And then I also discussed writing my letters to God, which I think writing letters to God and allowing myself to connect my letters to God with my study, because in my letters to God, I typically will write what I hope to find in my scriptures or in my, like if I'm going to read a conference talk or listen to a BYU speech or something, then I'll write to the side of the margin. I will say, help me to find an answer to this. And then that way they're kind of connected. I record my impressions from the talks or the lessons that I read. So I have the prayer, writing the letter to God, and then reading. I love the Book of Mormon. And so even though I know we're doing the come follow me and people are focusing on the Doctrine and Covenants, I personally make time for the Book of Mormon because that is my go-to book that I love. So the other thing that I talked about was how in a lot of our classes, we talk about thinking about it clearly in our mind, why we're fighting, why we're fighting and why we're not going to give up. And I talked about the similarity between Captain Moroni and how he created the title of Liberty and how the title of Liberty was basically a statement of why they're fighting and who they're fighting for and what the purpose was. 
you know, we know that Heavenly Father really doesn't want contention and anger and fighting, but sometimes you have to fight. You have to fight righteously. We know that Lehi, he had to take Laban's life to get something for the good of righteousness. We know that Moroni fought many battles because Heavenly Father wanted him to fight for freedom and, and religion. So sometimes you do have to fight, even though a lot of times we might think, well, we need to be peaceful. Well, there are things worth fighting for. And so it is good every day to think about why I'm fighting. What, why am I doing this? And what's the most important thing to me? And why am I not going to give up on that? And so some of the things that I feel, I remember a class, Karen, that you, you were talking and you said something about having weapons of light. And so in my class with the Relief Society sisters, I had just basically pinpointed like four weapons of light that I think are helpful. I said, you could have a lot of them, but those were the ones that were the most helpful for me. So the first thing that I talked about were having quotes or scriptures that help you to be stronger or feel stronger. And so I, I use like Doctrine and Covenant 636, which is look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not. So I said, these are like powerful scriptures. And if you put them on your wall or on a mirror or something, then when you feel weak or you don't know if you can do a hard thing, then you can go and revisit that scripture and will give you a greater strength to follow through. And so that's a weapon of light because it brings truth to your mind. And then I, of course, shared the second Timothy one seven that we love to, to talk about, about the spirit of fear comes from, from Satan, not from God. And then Proverbs three, five, I shared that as well. And while I was giving this presentation, I had given all of them a little booklet and a pen so that they could write down the thoughts they were having, the feelings they were having, so that hopefully it's, they'll remember it more when they go home. And so that was, that was really nice. They were taking lots of notes, which was awesome. <laughs> um, the, the next thing that I talked about was how we need to use our body to engage in the fight. And that I know that you talk about that a lot. And I wanted to share this one thing. This didn't have anything to do with the lesson, but like a week ago, I was talking with my sister and she's having she's having some really hard struggles and some hard messes in her life. Mm -hmm. And she told me one day that she had was told by someone that when they feel stressed out, the best thing to do is to go lay in a bath and to like take a bath and relax. And she said, and you know what, Kathy, that did not work. It did not work at all. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, no, I would never go take a bath. And she goes, you wouldn't? And I said, no, I would never go take a bath because if I lay in the bath, all I'm going to do is think about how horrible everything is because I'm just sitting there with nothing to do. Yeah. So I said, you have to get up. She goes, well, what would you say to do? And I said, well, according to mothers who know, <laughs> get up, you got to move your body. So you have to get up. You have to find a way to serve someone, even if it's a person that might be bugging you at the moment, do something for them that's kind and loving that you need to maybe go on a walk, go enjoy the nature outside, just move your body or exercise as long as the treadmill doesn't stick at 15.06. I'm kidding. No. So you just need to move your body because the more you move your body, first of all, it changes your chemistry, which we know that, but it also allows you to think of other things and not get stuck in the things that you probably can't change anyway. 
Mm-hmm. And so moving your body is really important. That is a, a good way to fight against Satan and, and to engage more instead of just waiting around. And then one thing that I did cover was that for me, one of the most important things and most helpful things is that over the last several years, I've started to notice patterns in my life. So I noticed that at one o'clock around the one o'clock hour and the six o'clock hour is when I feel most vulnerable to having a spin that Satan's going to get a hold of me and make me feel like I'm worthless. So the one o'clock hour was, is typically, now it used to be, that hour used to be around 2.33, but because of COVID and my daughter is home and doing school online, it's about that time now, because now that's when she starts engaging. And so that's when that's challenging. I have to be ready and prepared for whatever topic might come up. And so I have to be ready for that. Now, the six o'clock hour is typically because I was raised in a home where my dad would get home around six o'clock and my husband usually is done with work about the same time. And my dad would come in and what he wanted was dinner. Where's dinner? And if it wasn't ready, it was sort of tense. Now, I've been married to my husband for over 27 years and he doesn't ever come in and say, where's dinner? But I have that in my head that he's going to do that. So if I'm not ready because I didn't care enough to fix it or whatever, like something might've come up or I just didn't do it. And so it's not ready. Then I immediately think he's going to be upset. And then I start getting anxious. And so then I start making food. And while I'm making food, I'm eating peanuts because I'm stressed out, you know? So what I did is I realized, okay, those two times are the worst for me for sure. And they're going to happen every day. It's like a pattern. And so I took my phone and I set a timer to check myself at those two times so that when the timer goes off, if I am about ready to spin, I tell myself, this doesn't have to happen. Your husband really isn't mad at you because dinner isn't made. That's something you've made up in your mind. It's a thought pattern you have. And so then I can, you know, go ahead and start making dinner because it is time to make it, but I don't have to like totally inhale the whole pantry while doing it. So it helps me to take and own my field, basically. Then I'm making sure I don't get stuck on those two times. So noticing patterns is important. And then the last thing is for me, probably the greatest tool is music. And sometimes I do watch videos like music videos. And sometimes it's just songs that I've picked. So I encourage people to, you know, make a list of songs they love that help them to remember Christ or to help them to feel good about who they are. And they don't have, it doesn't have to be church songs, although I tend to lean towards them myself, but they don't have to be just something that's more positive and upbeat and makes you feel good and happy inside. So basically that was my presentation was just to help them to consider how they can be more proactive in taking action in this battle and that it was real. And I did try to help them to recognize that some of the feelings they had, because one of the sisters had talked about how she sometimes gets frustrated because her husband leaves all the dishes in the sink. And then she goes in there and she sees all the dishes 
And so I said, well, so if your husband leaves the dishes in the sink, then you might think he's your enemy. But really, that's just your own thought pattern is that he's the enemy. He's not even thinking about it, probably, you know. And so there were quite a few women in the end, they came up to me and they said, I can't even believe that you're right. That, you know, that is true that, that our kids and our husbands do stuff and they don't mean to make us mad. It's just us thinking that they're doing that intentionally. And I said, no, Satan is, he knows where it's going to bug you. And so he'll just remind you. But anyway, so that was the presentation. And I thought it went pretty good because they felt like they learned something and that they had more power because of it. So, yeah, that's amazing. It's like an awakening experience when you think something I just heard increased my power because it applied right where I live. Like I can take this and the next time that annoying, whatever, where I see the wrong enemy or I'm having strong feelings or forgetting to look vertical, I'm going to have, I'm going to remember this lesson. I'm going to remember what I wrote. I'm going to, yeah, and that's so awesome. So your topic initially was, you know, it was the spiritual topic, right? It was caring for me spiritually. Caring for me spiritually. And like, I wouldn't expect maybe in general, to hear a talk that sounded like that when it came to caring for me spiritually. So kind of tie that in a little bit, like what are you noticing about caring for you spiritually and what you just taught all those women? If someone were like, well, wait a minute, I thought it was supposed to be about spiritual things. So for me, I felt that it was caring for me spiritually because first of all, it reminded everyone that the whole reason we're on the earth, it's a spiritual battle. We're not in a physical war here. We're in a spiritual battle against Satan. And so in order for me to care for me spiritually, then I have to do certain things. So when I describe that we're going to, you know, use prayer, scripture, study, and letters to God to prepare for whatever battle's coming up, then that allows you to be cared for spiritually. Because when you do those three things, or even the weapons of light that I mentioned, when you do those, it makes you more available to the spirit. If you can't get the spirit, then you can't care for you spiritually. If you're just going through the motions and not making any effort to be aware and acknowledge the spirit in your life, then it's impossible to. There's no way. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, but you wouldn't be aware of what Heavenly Father wants you to be doing, which I feel is like the goal. That's what we're here for is to do what Heavenly Father has in store for us so we can accomplish whatever task we're here to do. And without spirit, you can't do it. Yeah, we are naturally good and naturally want good things. Yeah, it's almost like if you aren't aware of how the enemy tries to steal your peace by influencing your thoughts about what's going on in your life or helping you i'm just assisting you to notice how unfair everything is in your life i'm i'm just being your friend i'm just pointing out that you're super tired nobody's helping you right yeah and so if i'm spinning and perseverating on that and then i'm noticing 
I have that thought every day. Pretty soon it's like, I think you're my enemy. I don't think we can get along. I don't think we're ever going to, you know, because you don't care about me and, and I'm always tired. Like, it's just, we can misinterpret so much and believe it because it matches our circumstance. Like, it is true. Like that woman with her dishes, how true is that? She's probably mentioned to her husband before in, in her nice way and maybe in her like kind of bugged way. Like probably every angle she could come at it. Could you please help me out? Like something, right? Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he's just having his own moments of I just am not even thinking about it. It has nothing to do with miss like disrespecting her or not listening to her. I just am kind of, you know, on my treadmill of life over here and I'm not just going through the motions, but because she brought it up because it has meaning to her and there's evidence of it. The adversary totally knows I am going to steal your joy. Yeah. It's yeah, one, one thing I, was, I have been thinking about lot, uh, lately is that I think that most of us, most women, when they get married, they have this vision of what it's going to be like. I don't think people think everything's going to be perfect. I don't think that. But I think most people envision life is going to be a certain way. And when they you know, have their kids and the kids grow up and they're going to leave home and everything, it's going to be a nice loving family and then things start happening and everybody uses their agency a different way and it gets discouraging. And so I think that when I think about caring for myself spiritually, it's making it possible for me to find peace in my life, even when things didn't work out the way I wanted it. Mm-hmm. Because we can't, it doesn't change the circumstance. It changes how we feel internally and how we can see that God is with us if we're connecting with him rather than changing the thing we don't like about what's happening. And so that's how you're caring for yourself spiritually. So, yeah, I really think it's, you know, we can't change our circumstances. Sometimes they change because people might make a different choice. Or we make a choice and we do change a circumstance, but we may not change the circumstance, like the one that is bugging us, you know? Yeah, so good. Yeah, it was such an aha when this statement, you know, came to my mind, which is like, you know, really we want peace because keeping the spirit is like the real battle. You know, if we can keep the spirit then we can win all the battles because we can look at circumstances. We can look at people and still feel our love for them. We can see people going through their journey and think, that's what that looks like. Uh, That is hard and that does hurt. And I have to watch that. And so I'm going to manage my thoughts and my feelings about that. Not let Satan just mislead me with that because I don't think we're saying that, you know, watch out because Satan will just take over. I think it's no, watch out. Satan's aware of this place inside us that cares deeply and wants good things. And he takes advantage of that desire in us. And then our strong feelings about 
how it's not going the way I, like you said, I hoped the way that I thought, even when I say it out loud, you still don't do that. You know, there's lots of that. So just that statement of to keep the spirit, it's like peace really is an increased skill. It's not a change in circumstance. And President Nelson's thought of joy and spiritual survival has more to do with the focus of our life than the circumstances of our life. Pretty incredible. So as it applies, Kathy, to, oh, just being able to know, I totally know that my focus on the Savior and staying by the tree has to do with me keeping the spirit and not letting the enemy make me think of circumstances or people or messes as my enemy and then stealing my ability to feel the spirit. And you brought up another thing about your talk that you gave in church and it had to do with unity and kind of ties into this only one enemy thing. I'd love for you to share that. Okay. So, well, my talk was unity and getting along with people you don't like, which I thought was such a <laughs> hilarious title. But, wait, wait, and that wait, was, wait, did they give you, the, well, that was the name of topic, the topic they gave you? Yeah, that was the name of the topic. I mean, I laughed out loud when I read that because it's sort of funny. It doesn't sound very professional at all, but that was the title and they gave me nothing to go on. Like they didn't give me a talk or anything to use. They just said, speak on this. Oh, wow. So I thought it's sort of a hard topic because totally. unity with people you don't like, like seriously. Yeah, <laughs> Aren't I, you supposed to? Aren't you supposed to avoid unity with people you don't like and just tolerate that? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I asked lots of people, you know, throughout the week. I was saying, so what? What would you talk about? And my one of my boys actually said to me, "No, mom. If you don't like people, you just ignore them. You don't talk to them." Right. <laughs> so it's like, oh my goodness. Anyway, so I was giving this talk and they did not give me anything to go on. And so I was struggling to find personal experiences. And I like to use personal experiences because I think it teaches, like it helps people to relate it to themselves. And so anyway, I said that I began my talk by saying, you know, that when the Christ was on the earth, he said to his apostles, that you need to love other people as you love me. Okay, so he says this. And then he also explains that you should love your enemies. You should be kind to those who hurt you. You know, that whole scripture. So I shared that. And then I told a story and I said that when I was growing up, my parents, they were trying to teach us kids. There was 12 kids in the family. They were trying to teach us to love our enemies and to love everyone. And we had two next door neighbor ladies. They were older ladies who lived there and neither one of them were married and they were, they were probably like near their seventies or eighties or something. And one of the ladies loved her grass, her lawn, and she did not like it if we touched her lawn. Well, we were kids and we played kickball or whatever. And so if you touched her lawn, she would come out on her porch and she would go like this with her finger and she'd go like, doing a come here with her. Yeah. Like come here with her finger, like come here. So, so then you would go to her and then she would basically yell at you for touching her grass. So I was always scared. So I never would go on the grass. I was like 10 or something. And so I didn't. 
but then I, in my talk, I said, and her name was Miss Keddington, and I said, Miss Keddington wasn't easy to love. So then I said, when I was in the fifth grade, I had a friend and I said that I played tetherball during recess and I was a rock star at tetherball, right? And so we would almost always win. Well, one day I thought, I don't want to play with my friend anymore because she kept taking all the balls. Like she was a ball hog. So I'm like, I want to touch the ball sometime. So I started just playing on my own. And she didn't like that because when we played separately, then when I played against her, I would win. So one day on the way home from school, my friend beat me up. It wasn't easy to love. So then I said, not too long ago when I lived in Ohio, there was, there was this gentleman in our ward and I was a primary president and me and my counselors had got together and decided what we were going to do for the decorations in the primary room. And so we had an activity, the kids came, they made these cute decorations and then we put them all over the primary room on one Saturday morning. And on Sunday we went to church and they were all down. And this Mr. Anonymous at church, he said it was fire hazard. So I couldn't have them on the wall. Mm. So then like a little time passes and Mr. Anonymous one day, he got up in church and announced that the people, the families that were assigned to clean the church building the day before didn't do their job because he, when he got to church on Sunday morning, there was mud on the hallway. And so I said, but we did, we actually did clean the church. But after we had cleaned it, the scouts came back from scout camp and they needed to use the restroom. So they walked through the building with their muddy feet. Mm. And so I said, Mr. Anonymous was not easy to love. So I have these three people, not too easy to love. And so then I talked about how, you know, we have different people who sometimes aren't nice to us and sometimes they're not easy to love, but the Savior has asked us to love everyone. And sometimes when we're trying to love somebody, it's like, it's really, really challenging. And you do want to just walk away from the situation. And I said, but you know, we have to make sure that our actions towards others is reflecting what we know the Savior would want us to do. And I explained that I never did anything to Miss Keddington. I didn't go on her grass. But one day my brother went next door and because he was frustrated and he put one foot just on the edge of the grass. And then he looked in through her window and waited for her to make eye contact. And then when she did, he put his finger out and he said, come here. (laughs) So that did not turn out so well, because basically the consequences start happening. That caused contention. And so when we do things that cause contention with people, then it can't possibly end up in a good place. So we shouldn't be causing contention with people we don't get along with already anyway. And so that wasn't the right choice. Well, then you also have my friend who I did what I thought was best, which was disengage. And it's so tempting sometimes to disengage because then the pain that you're going through feels like it's ended, right? And so there was a a story that I shared. It was called the seventh inning stretch. And I think that the seventh thing stretch applies to our situations when it comes to us as moms trying to work hard with our kids, with our boys and our daughters and 
and even with our husbands, anybody that comes in our life like that. So the seventh inning stretch, the story, I actually read it from a talk that was given at BYU by Kevin Worthen, and it was given in January of this year. And it was a story about President Taft. He was, I think, the 26th president of the United States or something. And he um, loved Major League Baseball. And so he would go to the baseball games. And like in 1914 or 1916, a long time ago, he went to this, the opening game of the season. And he was a really big guy. So he weighed over like 300 pounds and he was six foot two, really big guy. And he goes to the ball game. And if you've been to ball games, there are really tiny seats. And I, back then, I guess they were wooden seats and they're really narrow. And so he went, but he was uncomfortable nearly the whole time because he's just a big guy crammed into the seat. So at the seventh inning, he got up to stretch his legs and just to rest himself a little bit because he felt tight in there. And I guess a lot of people around him thought he was leaving. So he's the president of the United States and they thought we got to show respect to him. They all stand up and they're thinking he's going to walk out. And so he, he just stands around for a few minutes just to rest himself. And then he sits back down in the seat. And so the story, as Kevin Worthen is telling the story, he's talking about how sometimes we have like situation or a circumstance that we don't particularly like. So here, President Taft is sitting here. He loves the ball game, but he doesn't like the fact he's like crammed in this tiny seat. And so sometimes it's tempting to leave in the middle, but we have to make sure that we're not going to leave in the seventh inning and just disengage from the hard part of the circumstance because the ending could be amazing, right? So the fact that President Taft went back to his seat and sat down, it showed that he was willing to return to the same situation, the same place. He didn't order someone to bring him a bigger seat. He didn't ask someone to change a circumstance. He just sat down in the chair and he watched the rest of the ball game and enjoyed it to the end. So I think we have to do that. And I think if we don't, we miss out on a lot of things. So in my story that I shared about Mr. Anonymous, he really, really annoyed me sometimes, you know, taking down the primary stuff and saying we didn't clean the church, making us look terrible, like we didn't do our job. That was so annoying. But in the end, what happened was that my willingness to not confront him and cause a bigger deal over it, several years later, probably like two or three years later, that same gentleman happened to be called as the scout master. And he helped my boy become an Eagle Scout. And so his talents and his abilities that helped him to do that calling is what helped my son to progress and grow in the scouting program. And without him, he probably wouldn't have because my husband is not one that really loves scouts. He's not a camper or anything like that. So sometimes we have these circumstances where we're ready to leave. We're like seventh inning, I'm out of here, right? But had I said something to him or offended him or caused him to um, have angry feelings towards me, then he couldn't bless my son's life or my life in helping my boy. 
And so when I think about when I've been going to mothers who know and talking with people or listening to their stories and how they really probably feel like they're at the last leg, they can't do it. They're like totally at seventh inning and want to leave. Right. But I, I feel like the blessings haven't shown yet, but they're going to come. The blessings are going to come. And so when we're thinking of the seventh inning stretch, though, the reason why President Taft stood up was to re-energize himself, to give him a moment to rethink and then be able to sit back down. So when we're at the seventh inning stretch and we're thinking, I can't take this anymore, that is when we stand up and we definitely think vertically. We look to God and we say, I don't know what to do anymore in this situation. It's really, really hard and challenging. I'm not going to leave the tree. I'm going to stay by the tree. The circumstance isn't going to change, but I need to connect with God. And then you make your effort to connect with God so you can have the spirit with you when you make your next next action because the circumstance is still going to be there. You're going to go back to that seat and then you go back to the seat and you're more powerful because you have God with you when you do that. So I just felt that that was such a, a powerful story because it reminds us that you can't really change your circumstance, but you can change your action towards it, you know, however you're going to react. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought that was important to know. You don't, you shouldn't leave at the seventh inning. It's not to say that you shouldn't, like sometimes if people beat you up, you probably should walk away. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I am saying that we need to be willing to endure endure to the end you know because we'll learn a lot from it and it's hard sometimes it's like the way I feel about it sometimes I think well I don't know when the end is and I don't know how long I can handle that but I do know that if you you know reach out to God and and you try to refocus that it's easier to endure and that's that's important you know, oh, so important and such a great principle of just, you know, how you tied in that, you know, you needed to stand up, you needed to consider where he was, but in order to do that, he stood up, he went vertical, he was trying to see this circumstance under your heavenly father's plan who the savior is for us and how the Holy ghost is there to be our teacher and our comforter and help us. Yeah. We have, I think sometimes because we look horizontally and we think I have exhausted every idea I have, I've been working at staying here in this seat for how long now, right? Like we just really struggle. And so much of our, of the torment that we feel comes from, yeah, just kind of putting this ceiling over our head so we can't look up or see vertical anymore. We kind of just look horizontally like, what are you going to do about it? When are you going to do something about it? What should I do about it? Who else should I call? How much more money is this going to take? You know, just all the things that we would think of, like, we'll look over there. They never have problems like this. What is wrong with our family? What's wrong with me? You know, we compare ourselves, we criticize people, or we start being, yeah, completely stuck if we just think our answers are horizontal. So I love 
I love that because that's a real place. It doesn't matter if you're a super spiritual person or one that doesn't do much spiritual work. That is such a real place. If you're here at immortality to get to the seventh inning stretch and think, holy Hannah, I don't know if I can do this anymore. How much longer? I mean, we've all just been through something like that, right, Kathy? We're still kind of in this whole, it'd be easy if someone could just tell us that in three more months, we won't have to wear masks anymore and COVID will be over. Or if someone could tell me, oh, your child is struggling with an addiction or self-harm or mental illness or whatever it is. Well, if you do this and then do this, then within, you know, Within this time frame, you're going to get, it's going to be on. You're, it's going to be better. That's the most common question um, that we get at life-changing services when someone comes with a hurting child. And it's so normal, right? Because you're thinking, how long is this going to take? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we hate that spot. I can't stand it anymore. I really need to know how long this is going to last. Yep, they want it to end. And I think that when we're in the seventh inning, Mm -hmm. that it feels like it's six innings by itself. (laughs) Like, because Uh it's so, like, we're so tired, Mm. you know, and it just feels like it's been forever. So it just is slow moving, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's... It's challenging, but I did that story. I think that just the fact that he returned to the same condition, the same yeah. situation, that it just shows that it shows, okay, I've taken a moment. I've reju- rejuvenated myself. I'm going to go back in there and I'm going to do it again because this is important. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to do. We yeah. have to say it's important. Totally makes me think of the, you know, we're at war between remembering and forgetting and us asking with intention often, especially in really hard places like that. Why am I fighting? Why don't I just give up? Right? Because that giving up feeling is very normal. I don't know if I can do this anymore. I I wonder when we call uncle on this. No. Yeah. So good. That's so good. And so, you know, there are circumstances in our life where literally, whether it's a choice we felt inspired to make or the choice or lack of choices somebody else made, but we just really have to make a decision to say, I think this game might be over. There are situations like that where we have to kind of be like, I've done several seventh inning stretches here. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's another reason why it's so important to, to even in situations like that, do those important things you mentioned about, you know, how do I create unity, even with people that are making my life a little harder? Like the two things you brought up, number one, and number two, will you just reiterate those two things? You said, here's the two things people do. Yeah, I thought they were so good. The second one was to, to, not, to not go and start yelling at people just because they're acting like a wingnut, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think so. In the talk that I used, he specifically pointed out that we need to avoid contention. That if you want to be unified, just avoid contention because contention that just creates more like more explosions everywhere if you're just going to create contention. So that's the number one is that you just avoid that. And then the second thing that he talked about is that you can really only achieve unity through God and Jesus Christ, that you have to connect with them in order to have unity with people. And I, I do believe that's true. I, and I think that even people you don't really agree with anything they say, you can still be caring. You can have compassion for them. You don't have to change your thoughts on whatever you're, you don't necessarily agree on, but you can still love them. It, it doesn't change that you know that you don't care for them. But yeah, those are the two things that Kevin Worthen brought up was that so good. And it's such a great message too because I mean right in our own family, the people that you don't escape, like they're just part of your life for a really long time. We have some relationships that are like that. Right? That yeah. And there must be a reason, a purpose in all of this under heaven under that heavenly father is trying to teach us something about becoming more yeah yeah, yeah. so good yeah. oh well Kathy uh thank you so much before we even started this the recording on our episode today I said Kathy a lot of times when you think of a podcast you think people in between are going to ask you a question and then you say something and I just said I really really love I love to hear you teach and I want you to just present it in a way that flows and so I'll raise my hand if I want to talk but you just keep talking <laughs> you did really good well you, your video kept freezing so I was like guess she's not raising her hand <laughs> oh right hey thanks everybody for listening and Kathy thank you so much Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Did They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSAA young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under MothersYouKnow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know, and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know last if you would like additional support and training 
please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at mothershoknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothershoknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.